0: For those of you who I haven't met, my name is Kaylee. Um, I'm an intern here at Bethel Youth. Um, And tonight I'm going to be continuing in our series in Philippians. Um, And I'm super excited about it. So um, we're going to go ahead and and jump in. So this section of scripture um, that we're going to be looking at, the the first word, and it says, therefore. Um, And as we've learned from Pastor Taylor, if you've been here for a while, um, it's important to remember that therefore is referencing um, back to what was just said. So Taylor always emphasizes the importance um, of context so we don't take scripture out of context. He says context is key. So, So to understand the scripture that we're about to dive into, we must briefly refresh on what we talked about last week. Um, So if you were here last week, Rebecca talked about humility. Paul shows us, Paul who's the author of Philippians, shows us that we are to look to Jesus as the perfect example of what it looks like to be humble. Uh, Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. Um, So Jesus did this showed us what this looks like by willingly coming down from heaven, living a human life and dying the death that he did not deserve. Um, and it is with this perspective in minds that we can in humility, put others first and love them sacrificially. So that's just kind of a brief overview of what Rebecca talked about last week. Um, So everybody, please welcome Kaylee, uh, my friend Kaylee, who's also named Kaylee, uh, as she comes up to read uh, our scripture for this week.
1: Hello, everybody. All right. Thank you. All right. So this week's scripture is Philippians 2, 12 through 18. And it goes like this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence... And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your, coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. That was it. <laughs> Thank you, Kaylee.
0: All right. So... Paul talks to the Philippians as friends, who he is proud of for being obedient to his teachings about Jesus. And right now, Paul is imprisoned, and so he's no longer with them physically, but they are still faithfully following Jesus, which he's super excited about. Paul encourages them to continue to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, verse 12 through 13 says therefore my dear friends as you have always obeyed not only in my presence but now much more in my absence continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is god who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose so two questions that i had while reading this was what does it mean to work out your salvation Um, And why are they to do that with fear and trembling? That sounds kind of (laughs) weird. So to work out your salvation, just to clarify, does not mean to earn your salvation. That's not what Paul is talking about. The Greek word, which is the original language the Bible was written in, this particular, the New Testament. um, The Greek word that is rendered in English works Work out, like work out your salvation, means to continually work to bring something to completion or fruition. So to work out your salvation, what Paul is saying in context, means to actively pursue becoming more like Jesus. So although we cannot earn our salvation, we are not supposed to sit idly by either. We are called to put in effort to living our lives for Christ. Salvation is complete in the sense that Jesus has done a complete work for us, but we are called to continue to let the fullness of his work be made complete in us. A commentary said, the believer must finish, must carry to conclusion, must apply to its fullest consequences what is already given by God in principle. He or she must work out what God in his grace has worked in. So let's look at the next part. Paul says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I feel like the phrasing of fear can be a little confusing at first glance. I remember when I first read it, I was like, what What does that mean? Like that, that doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> so let's clarify a few things. Paul is not saying to be fearful of losing your salvation. It is not a fear of, of hell or condemnation. He is not telling them to live in fear as in being terrified or anxious or worried. Um, The Greek translation of fear in context means reverence or respect. So fear is having great humility and respect for God, having reverence and awe for him. It's not wanting to be disobedient to his commands and to what he calls us to because we, we honor him with our lives. And trembling means to show weakness, to realize that we are utterly dependent upon God. Paul answers why we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling in verse six, in verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Because God has done and is doing a good work in us, it should motivate us and encourage us To live our lives for Him, we must walk with Him every step of this life. Verse 13 says that God has given each of us a good purpose to fulfill, but we have to willingly choose to step into it and say yes to the purpose that He has given us. God has already done His part. And we are called to partner with him to do our part. And our part is to live in faithful obedience to him, to dedicate our lives to him and to live for him wholeheartedly. Not that that we will be perfect, we will fail, we will mess up and that's okay because we are saved through what Jesus has done for us, but we are still called to put forth effort to seek God, to build our relationship with him so we can look more and more like him. Christianity is not just a sinner's prayer that we pray and get a ticket to heaven and that's it. Sometimes we may think it's that, but that's a lie, that's not it. Christianity is about following Jesus. We receive God's free gift of salvation by faith, not by works, but it does not stop there. We are called to live the rest of our lives following Jesus' example as we are empowered to by the Holy Spirit that lives within us. We are called to follow his example of like we just learned about, of being humble, of being kind, of loving sacrificially, of thinking of others first. And this is part of what it means to work out our salvation And we do this because of the gratefulness that we have for what God has done for us and the reverence and honor we have for him because of who he is. So let's look at the next section. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So Paul starts out by saying, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Another word that we can use for grumbling is complaining. One of the first things I noticed is that grumbling, arguing, and complaining seem to be showing the exact opposite of humility. This is because they Sorry, I lost my place. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. This is because um, my notes are out of order. Isn't that, so much fun? that is really fun. Okay. Where am I going? Yes, it does. It goes against humility. Yeah, we just learned about what it means to be humble and how to reflect. Jesus and how to live as an example for him, and I think that that when we're grumbling and when we're complaining and we're showing that we're ungrateful, we're not really representing Christ in the best way that we can be. We're not being grateful for the things that that He's done for us, um, and so they're told to do everything without grumbling or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Um, so here Paul is referencing a scripture from the book of Deuteronomy, and it says they are corrupt and not His children. To their shame, they are warped and they are a warped and crooked generation. Um, so this scripture that that Paul is referencing within our scripture um, is about the Israelites as they were walking through the wilderness for forty years. Um, the Israelites were God's chosen people and they're people that God had just freed from slavery as he parted the Red Sea and saved his people from the enemy, from their enemy, which were the Egyptians. Uh, But instead of being grateful that God did that, um, the Israelites chose to be rebellious against God and they complained about everything even though God had freed them and provided for them. And it talks about this a little bit in the book of Numbers. I'm going to read just a couple of scriptures from there. It says, now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. Again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. All the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. And just to clarify, manna was this supernatural food that came from the sky that the Lord provided for his people daily so that it would not grow hungry. But instead of thanking God for his provision, they complained and said that they wanted better things to eat. They were so upset that they desired to go back to the place where they were enslaved to eat better food. These Israelites were extremely ungrateful and had a really twisted mindset and perspective. But Paul is telling the Philippians that they are to not be like the Israelites. They are to not have a spirit of grumbling and complaining. They are not corrupt and warped like the Israelites were. Instead, they are to be God's children, is what he says, who are thankful for God's provision and reflect God's character. And as children of God, they must represent God's character to the earth. They must look like him in their thoughts, words, actions, and behavior. And this is part of what it means to work out your salvation, is is looking more like who Jesus is. But this takes a shift in perspective. Just like the complaining Israelites we can easily look at our life and only see the things going wrong. We can choose to get mad, to complain about it, to throw a fit, be in a bad mood, and dwell on the negative things and inconveniences in our lives. And that is what the the Philippians were struggling with. And Paul is correcting this kind of thinking and teaching, correcting this kind of thinking and teaching them instead to be true children of God, to be grateful for God's provision in their life and to look at the blessings that surround them. Psalm 118.24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And I really just love this psalm um, because I feel like it shows us, it's like we should be grateful for every day that we're alive. Every day is a gift from God. Waking up in the morning is a gift from God. Having a roof over our head is a gift from God. Having food to eat is a gift from God. Having family and friends who love and support us, even if you have one, is really a gift from God. And these are things that we so easily take for granted. And then we look at all that's going wrong in our lives and we hyper focus on those things when we can realize the blessings that we have that everything's a gift from God um, once we can look at life from this perspective we can shine in the world, Paul says to shine as, as children of God and and um, What came to my mind was what stands out more to you? A person who is going through really hard things but is full of joy. Or a person who is blessed but has a crappy attitude. Like somebody who is going through really hard things but is genuinely like still has joy within that. Like that stands out to us when we see that. But when somebody, like you look at their life, not saying that we don't all go through hard things, but you look at it. And, and they're blessed, but they're focusing on, on the minor inconveniences and what's lacking and what they don't have, like that that's, doesn't stand out. That's not shining among, among the world like a star. But God created us to be the light of the, wor- the world. He created us to be set apart. He created us to stand out from the crowd. And when we have an attitude of gratefulness, no matter the circumstance, we do just that. Um, Personally, I really needed to hear Paul say this because it's very easy for me to get hyper-focused on what's going wrong in my life. I allow minor inconveniences to ruin my day. Um, It's like all I can look at is everything that is falling apart, um, but have a really hard time focusing on what's going good. Um, I don't know if any of you can relate. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I'll give you guys a, a quick example. Um, last week I went to Young Life Camp. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with with what Young Life <laughs> is like. Um, I know some of you guys are, but anyways, it's it's just a Christian organization. Uh, I won't go too in depth in explaining all that it is, but think um, kind of similar to a youth camp. It's different, but if like you're trying to compare it to something. It's kind of set up the same way. Um, and so I was leading at this Christian camp last week with um, the high school girls that I had. And it was just a really great time um, overall. Um, we were there for five days, and, and there was there was ziplining, which was super cool. Ziplining to the lake, which was fun, and there were go karts and really good food and just good time. Just getting to know the girls more and diving deeper into relationship with them, and I just enjoyed just leading them and being there with them. And I had another leader there who was really helpful too, and it was just a really great time. Um, like overall, it was it was good. Um, until like the last day that I was there, the last night that I was there, um, I had one bad interaction. Um, you do this thing as a leader where you have one-on-ones is what they're called. Basically like with each person in your cabin, you have a one-on-one conversation with them while they're there. Um just to get to know them more and kind of ask where they're at with Jesus <laughs> and just stuff like that. And so I was I was doing that and I went through and I went through and I went through and I get to my last one-on-one of the day that I'm having with this girl who I, I have a relationship with and I've known for a couple years and I thought it was going to be like just an easy, chill, good conversation. And it went really, really bad, like really, really bad. I was... I ended up crying at the end of it because it was just not good. I was just talking to her and she didn't say a word to me the whole entire time. And I just felt, guys, I know that may sound like not a big deal, but to me it was just, I was just so discouraged. I was at a point where I was like, even my mind was like, why are you even here? Like, why, why did you even go to camp? Did you, did God even use you? And God God did use me and I saw that God was working in kids' lives, but I wasn't focused on that. Like at the end of camp, all I could think about was like that went really horribly. And I thought that the whole my whole camp experience was just trash. I know that may sound like an overexaggeration, but and it is, but I was just so hyper focused on the bad that I forgot all of the good. I forgot all of the good things that God had done. I forgot all of the good experiences that I had, the way that God was working in kids' lives and using me and, and the fun that I had. I just forgot all of it for the past four days and just could only focus on just that one bad interaction. And just, I would I stayed in that discouragement for days. Like I came home and was like, yep, camp was trash. Like it wasn't, it wasn't good. It didn't go good at all. Um... You know, and I just think that that we can do that. We can just stay kind of in that place. I was I was grumbling and I was complaining and it ended up leaving me with a really bad mindset. And once I started down the path of negative thinking, it just spiraled. And like I said, it took like like really days for me to get out of because it was like from there just everything wasn't good. Like I came home and I just wasn't doing well and just one thing after another, and just, like, my whole mood was really funky. And I started thinking badly about everything. Um, And I just think that sometimes that's easy for us to do, to allow the bad things that happen to control our thoughts and our moods. Um, But we can choose to think about the good. Like, we have a choice to think about the good that is in our life. Um, I, I was thinking as I was writing this, I was like, what if I had focused on how grateful I was for how great all the other conversations I had with? Like, that wasn't the one conversation I had. I had six more conversations that went really well. And I got to to know these girls more and talk to them about who God is. And it was really great conversations. Um, and my week was really amazing overall. And like, if I would have focused on that and would have thought about, The good, um, I wouldn't have let it ruin my experience, but it's a choice that I made. And what I learned from this experience and from what Paul is saying to the Philippians is this. We can choose to complain or we can choose to be joyful. In chapter 4 of the book of Philippians Paul says this, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the peace of God will be with you. And we will dive further into these verses in the following weeks. But for right now, what I want us to see is that Paul cares about the thought pattern of believers. We need to think about what we think about. We have to intentionally choose to think about the good things in our lives. We have to intentionally shift our perspectives. Let's continue to the last couple verses. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or label, labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the, sacrifice, on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. If you've been here the past couple of weeks, you know that Paul's circumstance right now was imprisonment. And that he was facing death. But what Paul was focused on was that his life would bring glory to God through his current situation. Paul was showing the Philippians Philippians that he could rejoice and choose joy even in the midst of suffering. Because he focused and thought about the things that he was grateful for. He thought about how the way that he was living his life would glorify God, that God would be praised, that people would see the goodness of God, that they would come to know who Jesus is through his life. He lived in a way that was honoring to God. And so his circumstance of being in prison or facing death to him was worth it. Um, If you were here a couple weeks ago, I talked about how the gospel is worth any sacrifice. And that's, that's the perspective Paul is talking from. He lived his life to make the gospel known to the people that were around him. And so the sacrifice of of being in prison or facing death was, was worth it to him because that's what he was living his life for. And so he had joy that that was being accomplished. Even though he was in chains, even though he was imprisoned, he wasn't focusing on being in prison. He wasn't focusing on facing death in, in a way of like, "Oh, I'm going through it." Because if somebody's going through it, Paul's going through it. He is going through it. Um, being imprisoned, being beaten, being stoned—we talked about just all the things Paul's gone through. So if anyone can choose joy, he like he's the one who set the example. Well, and Jesus. Well, more than that, Jesus, Jesus set the example of that as well. Um, but, yeah, Paul went through, through horrible things, and he still chose joy, and he encouraged and, and told the Philippians, you have that choice as well. Yes, are you going through suffering? Yes, are you going through, you are going through persecutions. Yes, like, your life is not perfect. You're going through it. And he's saying, I know what that's like to go through it, but I choose to rejoice. I rejoice that my life is glorifying God. I rejoice that I am a living example and a living testimony of the goodness of God and that people can see that in my life and how I'm living it. And that's what we're called to, guys. We're called to live our lives in a way that reflects God and glorifies God. That's what it looks to live our lives out of reverence and awe for God, is by being obedient to him and saying yes to what he calls us to and not focusing so much on our current circumstances and situations that we don't allow God to be glorified through our lives. We have to choose whether we're going to focus on the bad or we're going to choose if we're going to focus on the things that we're grateful for, the ways that God has provided in our lives. Because some of us are definitely going through it a lot more than others. I know that for sure. I know that some of us have different struggles than other people do. But regardless of our struggle, we still have a choice. Does that mean to be joyful all, all, all the time? I think that's, that would be really hard um, to do. But I think that it's, it's when we get in the place of, of being complaining and being ungrateful, of noticing that. And, and correcting it and looking at the, at the good things. And looking at the way um, that God has, has done good things in our lives. He says to them, look at the example I am giving you. And now you too rejoice with me. Paul showed them that joy is not based on circumstances. As I was preparing this sermon, I was writing in my journal. I don't know if any of you guys journal, but I like to journal. It's something that I do that, uh, just a way that I talk with God. Um, I use it kind of as my prayer journal. And um, as I was flipping through it, um, my best friend Drew, she gave me this journal. And I came across something she wrote in it. Like, she just picked a random page and wrote me notes, so I would find it later. And I found it. Um, And I think it's perfect for what we're talking about. So um, I'm going to tell you what Drew wrote. So Drew said, today, choose joy. In spite of pain and fear, choose joy. Count the blessing and praise him. He is good, and through him we overcome and I just thought that was powerful, and I thought that went really well with with tonight's message. And that's the, Paul's message overall of of Philippians is about joy. It's about choosing joy in circumstances, in the midst of our circumstances. That's not just tonight's message, but an overarching theme of Philippians. Um, and I just like how Drew pointed out that like in spite of the pain, in spite of the fear, in spite of what we're going through that, that again, like we've talked about, it is a choice to choose joy um, and that we can choose to count our blessings and we can choose to praise God. Um, we don't always have to wait for, to see what God has has done to praise him. We can praise him before he does it. We can say, thank you, Lord, that you are going to provide in this in this situation and I praise you for that. Um anyways we can choose to think about you can choose to think about the good things in your life you can choose to think about the blessings that you have instead of thinking about how upsetting it might be that summer is ending who's upset that summer is ending Yes, I'm upset too that summer's ending, but instead of thinking about that and letting it ruin everything, um, we can think about the good times that we've had this past couple months, the ways that we've hung out with friends and deepened relationships and gotten to visit family or whatever it is that you've been doing. Like, Think about how great summer was. Think about the blessings that were there. Instead of worrying about the unknown of another school year. I don't know about you guys, but I remember doing that of just another year, especially eighth graders going into ninth grade. Um, you know, that that's scary. You know, you think about, well, what does this hold? This is new, this is different. Like, I feel anxious about that. And instead of hyper-focusing on that of all the what-ifs of what could go wrong, like, think about the excitement of the new classes, the new things you get to try, the new friends you get to make, the new opportunities that you have. Instead of being anxious about all the things that could go wrong, think about the things that could go right. We have to shift our perspectives because what we focus on affects, affects our mood. It affects how we feel, how we think. It, it affects our whole being when we, when we hyper-focus on these things. And that's why Paul says, think about what's good. Think about what's lovely. Think about what's praiseworthy. Think about the goodness of God. Think about these things because it, it, it changes how we, truly how we live our lives. Um, so we have to think about what we think about. Um, I am here to tell you overall, guys, that this is not an easy practice. Like that's, I'm not saying, hey guys, like this is so easy, we should just all do it. Um, like as simple as that. I am here to say this is hard. Um, I struggle with it on a daily basis, um, but it's possible. And later in Philippians, we're going to see why it's possible. I'm not going to spoil it, but in two chapters, Paul's going to talk about how we can have joy in the midst of any circumstances. He's going to tell us how he does it, how he can do all things. What, what gives him strength? Okay, I'm kind of giving it away, but we'll talk about that more later. Um, as I've said before, I really struggle with this. And this message has been convicting to me to be more aware of what I'm thinking about and to choose to think about the good things that God has done, is doing in my life and the life of those around me. So I pray that this message has encouraged you guys to do the same. So I wanna leave you guys with this big idea. We reflect God's character when we choose to be grateful instead of complaining. All right, so we're going to do something a bit different tonight. Um, Instead of immediately going into our small groups, um, wait till I say go, but we're all going to come up here and grab a paper and a pen. And we're going to take about five minutes to spread out in the room. And what we're going to do is, on one side, we're going to write down the negative things that we've been focusing on. And then on the back side, we're going to write things that we're grateful for. And then I'll let you guys know when the five minutes are up. And then we're going to go into our small groups um, and take a few minutes just to talk about those things and process through those things together. You don't have to share everything on, on your paper, but just a couple things. Um, So if everybody could come up and grab a paper.